All right, guys. Take my keys off. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just, uh, I just pray for comfort in this place right now. I pray for peace, Lord. I know that um, each one of our hearts, mine and Cassie's and Lorraine's included, we all have um, hurts and pains, maybe unanswered questions. Maybe some of us are angry in here. Some of us are just super broken and don't know where to, um, where to turn, where to look. So right now, Father God, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would just come rule and reign in this place and that his presence would be known and it would be a sweet and, and, and um, delightful presence because that's who you are, Jesus. That's who you are, Father God. You are, you are good. There is nothing um, wicked or evil about you. You are all good. And so I pray, Father God, that we would, um, we would press into these things, uh, the love that, that Jesus has, the mercy, the grace, the forgiveness, the kindness, the gentleness. I pray for each one of these hearts here that the soil of their heart would be softened and that they would be able to hear the truth and the veil would be torn and they would be able to see the truth as it is presented today. I thank you so much that you have given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. I, I am so thankful for him. I am thankful that he is alive in us. He is working in us, those who are children of God. And so I pray that this time we just magnify and glorify you, God, that every word coming out of my mouth would not be my own, but it would be yours, Holy Spirit that I would step aside, and that it would be uh, uh, more of you and less of me. I thank you, Lord, for just the amazing truths that you have revealed to my heart this week. And so I pray, Lord, that um, this would get the ladies, my sisters in Christ, excited. And we just love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. So tonight we will begin to look at the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Last week, we discovered who he was. We will be taking a look at the very words of Jesus and what he has to say about our helper. Remember, we are not here to lean on our own understanding or wisdom or opinions. We are here to dig and discover what the word of God has to say about the purpose and role of the Holy Spirit. The majority of our time, we're going to be in John 16, verses 5 through 11. It says that Jesus says, but now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me where you are going. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, 
will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. So we're going to break down this passage a little bit more. We're going to dive deep like we did last week, and we're going to discover the purpose and role of the Holy Spirit. In verse number five, Jesus is explaining to his disciples that he is returning to his Father in heaven. He is trying to prepare his disciples of his departure. And this conversation is full of heavy sorrow. Jesus has been living life with these men, these brothers, these dear friends for three years. They have all witnessed and experienced insane and magnificent displays of God's power. They have prayed together. They have wept together. They have laughed together and have traveled thousands of miles together. They are a band of brothers, and now the one they love the most is telling them that he is now leaving. I couldn't imagine the blow. I mean, that's really devastating, you guys, to think about. And I'm sure, I, I, know, I know it caused deep pain within every single disciple. Jesus is the sweetest and most dearest person in their lives. He is the one that they have left everything for and followed after him. And they have given him their all. I can't imagine what the disciples were feeling. But Jesus already knew that this was going to happen in their hearts. And a plan was already set in motion. In John 16, 7, Jesus says, But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. In John 14, 6, Jesus says this, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. The Greek word for a helper is parakletos, one called alongside to help. This helper is also known as comforter, advocate, and intercessor. Uh, next week, we're going to go in a little bit more uh, into those roles. But we got we to gotta understand that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have had total control and sovereignty over the salvation of his children since the beginning. It's important to understand that nothing Nothing has been done or will be done by chance or last minute. There has been divine thought, love, and wisdom in place for the redemption of all God's children. I find so much security in that. I find so much assurance in that. That means that you and I, we don't have to figure anything out for our salvation. It has already been done, established, and stamped. And on top of that, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, this helper is with us for all of eternity. We are never alone. We have our eternal and constant companion. The Holy Spirit of the living God is living in us. Remember how excited I was with you guys last week about that? 
It gets me excited again. I mean, he is the living God. He is almighty. He is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He is creator of the universe, king of kings and lord of lords, and he is residing in us. Come on now. He is active. He is active in every single one of us who have given their all to Jesus. Like, he's not just sitting there. Like I said last week, he's not just, you know, twiddling his thumbs or, you know, uh, going off and then coming back. Absolutely not. He is active every minute of every day. So we're going to backtrack to Genesis 1, 1 through 5. Just like we did last week, we're, we're, we are uh, visiting it again because this is huge, you guys. Like, this is something that gets me very excited. So this is the first account of all time. So that has to be pretty huge, right? I mean, like, this is the first recorded of anything of all time. So we're going we're gonna, to uh, focus on this for just for a little bit. First one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. The Holy Holy Spirit was moving over. So in a sense of protecting and participating in the creative work of the Father. And his protection and participation in the creation of new life that happens with every single believer continues today and will throughout all of eternity. You guys, we got to sit there just for a second. Okay. Oh, I, I absolutely love this. Formless, void, and dark. That sounds a lot like a heart that does not know Jesus. As we dive in into the three purposes of the Holy Spirit as described by Jesus, we will see that the Holy Spirit continues to move over every deep, dark, formless, and void heart that has ever lived. Because that's how our heart is when we enter into this world with sin nature. And here the Holy Spirit continues, just like he did on the first day of creation, to establish his light. And he continues to separate his light from the darkness. So what he did on the very first day of creation, he is continuing to do today. So let's take a a closer look at these three purposes as described by Jesus. John 16, 8. And he, when he comes, the Holy Spirit, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The Greek word for uh, convict in this this verse means to reprove, rebuke, discipline, um, expose, or show to be guilty. Our English definition of convict is to convince of sin, to prove or determine to be guilty as by conscience. So, The Holy Spirit convicts concerning sin because they do not believe in me. That is what Jesus says in John 16, 9. That's the first role that uh, the Holy Spirit uh, has. He will convict the world 
concerning the sin of unbelief. Unbelief is the greatest and basic of sins. We see that this is the first sin ever committed in the garden by Adam and Eve. Genesis 3, 1 through 7. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The seed of unbelief. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat it, eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it right there. She just said, you know what? This serpent's telling me that God's a liar. And you know what? I believe him. Unbelief in God did not take God at his word. Then, so then she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Unbelief is committed when a person is presented with the word of God and the truth of who he is, and their eyes are opened to their need for a savior who is Jesus and they deny him. They do not believe that he is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. They say no to Jesus and continue in their deadness of sin. After Jesus died, he didn't, he didn't stay in the grave. So his return to the Father in heaven vindicates his righteous life and truthfulness in all that he said. He established his kingdom, and all who refuse him will be judged. So that's the first one that the Holy Spirit comes. He allows the eyes to be opened and gives us the ability to see, like, oh my word, I can't do anything. I need a savior, otherwise, I will be judged for all of eternity. We are given a choice to believe or not believe. Jesus says the Holy Spirit will come in John 16, 10, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. So the second purpose of the Holy Spirit is he will teach believers, those who, who have seen their need for for a savior and who have accepted Jesus Christ and say, yes, I follow you. I surrender you to you. I am, I am yours because you have paid the price for me. So he teaches believers of righteousness and how to vanquish sin. The word vanquish means to conquer, to overcome, to subdue in battle as an enemy. As children of light, sin is our mortal enemy. 
The Holy Spirit teaches us to hate sin and destroy it through the power of Jesus' resurrection. In Romans 6, 11 through 14, Paul says, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God and Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. The Holy Spirit gives us the power and strength to accomplish this. He teaches us the difference between righteousness and unrighteousness. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate teacher in our lives. He needs to be our go-to. He needs to be our number one source. And how do we do that? We go into our word. We open up the word of God every single day and we, we eat, we feast on the words of God. We pray and we have our secret place with the Lord. And the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to new truths and understanding about who God is and what he has done for us so that we can fight our battles every day, so that we can go ahead and put to death the sin that has destroyed us for so many years. He gives us the ability and the power to be an instrument of righteousness. 1 John 2.27 says this, as for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in him. This is talking about the Holy Spirit. He is the one who will lead us deeper and deeper into the wisdom and knowledge of God. We cannot rely on men and women around us. We cannot. And that's why I always say, do not lean on your own understandings, but in all of your ways, acknowledge him. He is the one who is all-knowing. He is the one who is all-powerful. He is the one that is going to give us the wisdom, the discernment, and the ability to walk in righteousness. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of conviction. He is the voice that sets the truth free in our hearts. In this work, the Holy Spirit, we see him create light from darkness. In this sanctification of teaching us righteousness, he is setting us apart from the dark like the day that he did on the first day of creation. We'll read that again. Genesis 1, 3 through 5. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. This was on the first day of creation. Okay, now let's turn to 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 and 5. That's towards the end of the Bible, you guys. But check this out. Look what, what Paul says. But you, brothers and sisters, 
are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. This is incredible, you guys. Like I, I, have, I have gotten so excited about this truth that the fact that the Holy Spirit's working on the first day of creation is continuing in us today. That he is, he is creating light in us because he is light and he is showing us to be separated from the dark. We get to see his power displayed and continued since day one. Like literally since day one. So we're going to go ahead and end with the third purpose that's mentioned by Jesus. The Holy Spirit will come concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. It's John 16, 11. This is the sobering and smack you in the face with reality truth that the Holy Spirit brings. Judgment is coming. At the cross... Jesus triumphed over Satan, serving notice on unbelievers of their judgment to come. If you do not believe in Jesus Christ and have not given him your heart to follow him, you are a child of Satan, and you will be judged. Satan and all his demons have already been judged, their verdict has already been read, and it is guilty. They are now sitting on death row awaiting their execution. But they are trying to bring in as many humans with them as possible. They hate God so much that they want to lead the ones created in his image down to the lake of fire with them. They hate God so much that they cause so much bitter pain and wickedness to be inflicted upon every person who has ever lived and see their destruction and ruin. But their time and the time of every unbeliever is short. I'm going to go ahead and read Revelation 20. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil, or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations any more until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. 
When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, and to gather them for battle. In number, they were like the sand of the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beasts and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne of him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone, anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. This is coming. This will happen. And because this has been declared and the Holy Spirit is a witness to the holiness of God and he reveals the true condition of our hearts, we need Jesus. He is the only one to save us from our wicked and void nature. He is the only one that gives us new life through the working of the Holy Spirit and saves us from the ultimate judgment. That is why I come in every single week, you guys. That is why I proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because one day, you are going to stand in front of a holy and righteous and perfect God. And if you do not have Jesus Christ standing in the gap, like we have spoke about before, and if he, is not, if he has not clothed you with his righteousness, you will be condemned for all of eternity. There is no second chance. There is no going back. Once that judgment has been declared, you will be gone forever, and it will not be pleasant. You think life is hard now? You think that pain hurts now? You think that suffering and sorrow is unbearable now? Just wait until you're in the lake of fire, separated from our holy and loving God forever. That is why Jesus came. That is why Jesus came to die on the cross and take away our punishment. He stood in the gap. He became our sacrifice so that we didn't have to experience the pain of being separated from our loving God forever. This is serious. And I know that this is a heavy way to end, but you guys, that's how, that's how serious this is. This is about eternity. And I care enough. I love you enough to say the hard things. It's hard for me to say these truths. I love each and every single one of you guys. 
And I want nothing more than Jesus to come in and save each and every one of your hearts and hold your heart in his hand and love you and give you so much grace and mercy and forgiveness and that you would experience the sweet and tender love that he has for you. I want him to be able to wipe away every tear from your eye and take away every pain that you have ever felt. That is my heart's desire. That is why I come up here and I say these things. I do not want any of you guys to have to perish and be separated from our God for all of eternity. You guys are worthy of his love. You guys are worthy of his sacrifice. You guys are worthy of his redemption. <sighs> Let's pray. <sighs>